The word apocalypse has a dire meaning in our culture today. Hollywood, for example, has made a lot of money on films with apocalyptic or end-of-the-world storylines. However, in the Bible's last book called The Revelation of Jesus Christ, the word has another meaning. The word apocalypsis in the Greek language suggests that something previously veiled to human understanding has been unveiled or revealed to us by God. The last book of the Bible unveils or reveals Jesus to us as He really is, in all of His glory. Jesus is the source of all revelation. Without Him unveiling the truth to us, we would be left in the dark and life would be an unsolved mystery. I'm Ron Jones. Something Good starts right now. He was the apostle whom Jesus loved, the one Jesus trusted to care for his mother, Mary. And years later, he was chosen to receive the revelation of Jesus Christ and share it with the world. Hello, welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, thanks for tuning in. His name, of course, is John, exiled to the island of Patmos, where he received what you and I know as the final book of the Bible. Today, Ron takes us there as he explores one of the most mysterious subjects in all of Scripture. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From the book of Revelation and his teaching series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth and the Return of Jesus Christ. Here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, The Big Reveal. Well, reality television is all the rage these days. It's very popular. In fact, uh, one of the programs I, I like to tune into once in a while is called Undercover Boss. Have you ever seen that one? It's a fascinating uh, storyline. It, it features high-level corporate executives who uh, sort of slip clandestinely into their own companies. Uh, they, they disguise themselves. They go undercover and move into the working ranks of their own companies to try to figure out kind of what's going on down in the trenches, so to speak, and then to come out and, and make some improvements. Um, one of the uh, things that they do is they, again, disguise themselves and then try to get hired by one of their own employees and uh, the employees don't know what's going on. They don't know who it is. They, they assume it's a, a different identity. And uh, then they get to work alongside that employee. My favorite part of the program is actually the end, when, what, what they call the big reveal. This is the time when the employees get invited to corporate headquarters under the, uh, the idea that they're going to meet with the CEO and discuss some things. And they're sitting there in the boardroom and suddenly the boss walks in. And you should see the jaws drop at that moment as they kind of recognize behind the disguise who this is. Or sometimes he just has to explain himself. I'm, I'm so-and-so, you know, that, that worked with you, but I'm really the president and CEO of the company. It's called the, the Big Reveal. And then the program goes on from there. Well, I mean no disrespect to our Lord Jesus Christ, but in one sense, when he came from heaven to this earth, uh, he, he was an undercover boss. He, he, he veiled his deity. He disguised his deity in a sense. Uh, the scripture tells us that he, he, he kind of put that aside and, and uh, 
and, and came clothed in human flesh. I guess that was his disguise, right? And there was only one time in all of his ministry where he pulled back the veil, as it were, and showed three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, who he really was in all of his glory. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration, where the Scripture says when Jesus sort of gave them a glimpse inside who he really was, that his clothes brightened up whiter than the whitest of whites. And then that's when old Peter says, hey, this, this is a good place to be. Let's just, let's just hang out here for a while and build a tabernacle or two. And Jesus closed off the, the view of his glory, and now they, they moved on from there. The only other time in the pages of Scripture where we get a picture of who Jesus really is in all of his glory is in the revelation of Jesus Christ and in this last book of the Bible. In fact, the word revelation uh, literally, it's, it's, it's the Greek word apocalypsis, where we get our word apocalypse, and, and it means not what you probably think it means. It means to unveil or to reveal. Now, I know in our culture, the word apocalypse kind of has a, uh, a sobering and dire meaning, and Hollywood has grabbed onto it, and they've created all kinds of movies and storylines that have end-of-world scenarios to them, and we think of something apocalyptic as something really bad and terrible that's happening. That may be definition number two or three in the Webster's, but uh, the, the real meaning of this word apocalypse is the unveiling, the big reveal, we might say. And so the revelation of Jesus Christ, as it were, suggests that something that was previously veiled to human understanding has been revealed or unveiled. It also suggests that Jesus Christ is the source of all revelation. You do understand there are two ways we can know about something, don't you? Uh, two ways that, that, we, that we know things. Uh, scholars call this epistemology, all right, the, the, the science of knowing things. We know things perhaps by human reason, but human reason has its limitations, does it not? The other way we know things is through divine revelation. It's when, when God, who is the great uh, keeper of secrets and mysteries, chooses to unveil something chooses to reveal something that was not previously revealed, chooses to unveil something that was previously veiled. In other words, autonomous human reason cannot unveil what God has veiled. All right? We would know nothing about the future if God had not revealed it to us, if he had not chosen to give us the revelation of Jesus Christ. Human reason would never unveil the future. Oh, you have all kinds of prognosticators and other predictors of the future, but, but at best, maybe one out of ten they get. Uh, the standard in Scripture for God and His prophets is 100% correct anytime they predict the future. Because, again, God alone is the keeper of secrets and mysteries. And remember, uh, the word mystery in the Bible is about something that was once concealed but is now revealed. And God chooses when and how and to what extent he pulls back the veil and reveals things to us. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which we hold in our hands, came to us from God the Father to the Son by means of the Holy Spirit and to an angel who delivered it to a guy named John, the apostle. The same John, the Bible says, 
whom Jesus loved. He had a very special relationship with Jesus as one of his disciples, as one of his apostles. But this is the John who wrote the Gospel of John, who later in his life was exiled to the island of Patmos, which was the Roman Empire's Alcatraz. Uh, they sent uh, dissidents out to Alcatraz or out to uh, Patmos, and, and they sent John there, a, a cruel emperor named Domitian, who set out to destroy Christianity, thought he would do it by sending John out to Patmos. And it was on the island of Patmos in about 95 AD that John received the revelation of Jesus Christ. He wasn't sitting there in his prison and in his cave and, and, and reaching into his human reason about the future. No, it was revealed to him. It was unveiled to him by divine revelation. That's how we know anything about the future. And when God reveals something about the future, we can go to the bank on it. It is 100% trustworthy. By the way, John was exiled to Patmos because he faithfully bore witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, a reminder to us that when we live faithfully for Jesus, it might cost us something. It cost all of the disciples, tradition tells us, their very lives, and, and John, uh, this season of exile on Patmos. And as anti-Christian sentiment is on the rise, not only in these United States but around the world, we, we can expect that perhaps as we reach and race toward the end of the age that uh, it might cost us something to be followers of Jesus Christ as well. So the revelation of Jesus Christ. By the way, this is also a book that promises a blessing. Uh, it's, it's unique in that sense. I mean, we're blessed anytime we read the Word of God, but only the book of Revelation says this, verse 3, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. I'm a blessed man this morning. Do you know that? Because I'm standing up here, I'm reading aloud the word. But you're blessed too because it goes on to say, and blessed are those who hear, who listen to the reading of Scripture, and who keep what is written in it. So we don't want to just be hearers of the word this morning. We want to be doers of the word as well and to put it into practice. And then John says these words, for the time is near. Time is near. Now, he wrote this 2,000 years ago. In what sense was the time near then, and in what sense is it near 2,000 years later? I mean, that's a, that's a fair question, isn't it? Because there are a lot of people who are saying, oh, where's the promise of His coming? What do you mean it's near? Well, something can be near, meaning it's, it's immediately around the corner, or something can be near in the sense that it's next. And that's the, that's the meaning that John has here. What, what John is writing down uh, per the revelation of God and all the future events in Bible prophecy as God works out the, the end of the age and His divine plans and purposes, what John is saying is that these are the next events on God's prophetic calendar. And that should make every one of us get on the edge of our seats and lean in a little bit. You know, you, you, can, be, you can be on a, the phone with the utility company and they say you're next in line and, you know, 45 minutes later you're still waiting. You've all had that experience before. That's kind of like it is as the body of Christ. We know this is, these are the next events on God's prophetic calendar, but we're, we're waiting, aren't we? We're waiting. We're waiting. We seem to be on hold. We're waiting in hope and in faith for the return of Jesus Christ. Uh, just as the Hebrew people did for many, many years in the Old Testament, waiting for the first coming of Messiah. 
Now, what John does in these opening paragraphs is he gets us ready for a discussion about future events in Bible prophecy and on planet Earth, and he does so by, by anchoring our thoughts in the past and the present works of Jesus Christ. Remember, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's the main character of this book. And his second coming, as we find out, is the central event in future Bible prophecy um, in the midst of a lot of exciting events and sometimes heart-stirring events that we'll talk about as we get into the book of Revelation. But it's all about Jesus. And he wants us to anchor our thoughts about the future in the past and in the present works of Jesus Christ. Let me show you what I mean. First, by talking about the past works of Jesus, revealing His past works. John does this beginning in verse 4. He says, grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. Now, that's enough right there to just pause and and to ponder a little bit the past works of Jesus Christ that John reveals to us here. Still ahead, the second half of Dr. Ron Jones' Something Good Radio message, The Big Reveal. Need prayer today? Visit somethinggoodradio.org to share your request, and our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer. Just use the Explore option at the top of the homepage. Then scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You icon. While you're there, select the Library tab to find a host of great resources at our online store. Again, that web address is somethinggoodradio.org. When Christ came to earth the first time, He humbled Himself to the point of death. The day is coming when Christ will come again, and on that day, He will be revealed in all His glory as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Here's Ron with the rest of today's message, The Big Reveal. It doesn't take long for the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to explode onto the scene here in the book of Revelation. Uh, It says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him. There's the first two members of the Trinity. And then by verse 4, he even introduces the Holy Spirit by mentioning the seven spirits who are before the throne. What's that all about? You say, well, I thought there was only one Holy Spirit. Are there seven Holy Spirits? No, there's only one God who expresses himself in three distinct persons and personalities, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But there seem to be uh, fuller dimensions of the Spirit of God. This reference to the seven spirits is probably a reference to uh, the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Just write those down in your notes there. This is a messianic passage that speaks of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. It says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. And a branch from his root shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the the Lord. Again, this does not reference seven different Holy Spirits, but rather the depth and the dimension of the Spirit of God. Just a reminder that his depth and his dimension as God is really beyond our human understanding. But John John is simply just writing down what was revealed to him. 
And he says here that uh, there were seven dimensions of the Spirit of God gathered around his throne. Just, just boggling to the mind. And it's not the first thing that's going to boggle our minds as we go through the book of Revelation. But then he goes on in verse 5 to talk about Jesus and three specific things he wants to anchor our thoughts in. First of all, that Jesus is this faithful witness. He says, to Jesus, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. This speaks of the truth that is embodied in the person of Jesus himself. He is a faithful witness. Faithful in the sense that he tells us the truth. And not only tells us the truth, he is the truth. Because he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. The, only the one who embodies the truth and is the truth can we trust to tell us the truth, even the truth about the future. And again, there are a lot of prognosticators out there trying to predict the future. Only Jesus is the faithful witness who is the truth and who tells us the truth about the future. I'm reminded of the conversation Jesus had with Pilate, one of the uh, Roman leaders who, humanly speaking, sent Jesus to the cross. Remember, Pilate uh, looked at Jesus and said, what is truth? And we don't know really from the tone, you can't read it in the text, whether Pilate was uh, honestly investigating or whether he was scoffing. You know, what, what is truth, right? It's kind of like people do today. What, what do you mean truth? Your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. We, we say in this relativistic, pluralistic culture of ours. But Jesus turned back to Pilate and he said in John 18 and verse 37, for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth, he says, listens to me. You want to know the truth about the future? You need to listen to Jesus. You want to know the truth about anything? You need to listen to Jesus. He is the truth and he will always tell you the truth. He's a faithful witness. Secondly, John says, he is the firstborn of the dead. Not only does Jesus, you know, just, just dominate everything with regard to the truth, but also with regard to life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. He also says, I am the resurrection and the life. And all of that is in John's uh, sphere of understanding as he, as he pens the words, he is the firstborn of the dead, meaning he is the first to rise again from the dead in glory, in his glorified being. There were others in Scripture who came back from the dead, more of a resuscitation than a resurrection because they continued to live on this earth and died again. Not Jesus. He, he rose in glory and ascended to the Father. And he's the firstborn of the dead, the first of many more resurrections to come. And if we had time this morning, I could take you through seven different resurrections mentioned in the New Testament, uh, five of which are still future. In the past is a resurrection of Jesus Christ and uh, something John Matthew rather refers to as uh, some others that came out of the grave at the time of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. But there are five other future resurrections of the dead, and you and I are in there somewhere should we die before Jesus returns. Everybody who goes into the grave will rise again one day, some to eternal life and some to eternal death, the Bible says. But he is the firstborn of the, uh, of the dead. 
He is the resurrection and the life. Thirdly, John says he is ruler of the kings on the earth. This speaks of his absolute authority, his authority. Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. I mean, listen to the sphere of his authority, heaven and earth. Nobody has more authority than Jesus does, so much so that he is the ruler of the kings on the earth. There's not a king, there's not a president, nor a prime minister, nor a dictator, nor a despot that doesn't hold that position because God in some way either put him there or her there or allowed that person to be there. Yes, even the dictators and despots. There was a time in the Old Testament when God used an evil king named Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon to accomplish his divine purposes in the life of his chosen people, the nation of Israel. And it's not beyond God, even as we race toward the end of the age, to even use a, a, uh, a satanically influenced and possessed ruler that will rise from this planet to be a world dictator known as the Antichrist. God will use that, that person, uh, even to accomplish his divine purposes uh, without ever losing a bit of his sovereignty. You may think the world is spinning out of control, uh, but, but Jesus is the ruler of the kings on the earth. And, and for reasons that he may choose to have that we don't completely understand, he's allowing this to happen or this to happen or this person to get into office or that person. Every politician in Washington and the voters that put them into office need to remember that Jesus is the ruler of the kings on earth. You're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, The Big Reveal, is part of Ron's series from the book of Revelation, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. Look for it under the library tab at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Have you ever wanted to visit the land of the Bible and walk in the footsteps of Jesus? Join Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones and the Something Good Radio team for a thrilling Israel tour happening in January 2022. Experience a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Walk down the Via Dolorosa. Visit Gethsemane where Jesus prayed and Calvary where He shed His blood for you. Step inside the empty tomb and see for yourself that your Savior is risen indeed. Is the Holy Land on your bucket list? Experience Israel 2022. Register at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. All of us here at Something Good Radio hope you can join us on our upcoming trip to the Holy Land. To make a reservation or for more information, look for Something Good Travel when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good Radio exists through the prayer and faithful financial support of friends like you. And when you give a gift today, Ron will say thank you by giving you the complete audio download of the teaching series you're hearing now from the Book of Revelation, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. That's Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. Request it today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. 
You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. There is no event on God's future timetable more, more central to the end of the age than the second coming of Jesus Christ. And John skirts back a lot of events that are recorded actually in chapters 6 through 19 of the book of Revelation that we will go into much depth on. But he skirts back, uh, skirts through uh, all kinds of events there to bring us to the climactic event, which is the return of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is not only the central figure of human history, but he is also the main character of the book of Revelation. And his return is the blessed hope of the church of Jesus Christ. Yes, we've been waiting for 2,000 years, waiting in hope and in faith for his near return. But he's coming, John says. He's on his way. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Big Reveal. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and all of us here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. God bless and thanks for listening.